Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. So my last uh, church experience, a church where I was a, on pastoral staff, uh, Christmas Eve service was, it was a really big deal, and we were one of those churches that would have, like across our campuses, we would have like 20 services, and everyone was exhausted at the end of them, and each of those services were like an hour and 15 to an hour and 30 minutes, and I remember some of those days just thinking to myself, if I'm ever a lead pastor, <laughs> this is going to be a lot more gentle and a lot easier and frankly a lot shorter. And I'm, I think the reason for me is because a lot of times like Christmas Eve, people, you know, I would invite friends and people would be there that normally might not, you know, come to a church every Sunday, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was amazing. I loved that. And then, like a lot of pastors have this attitude, well, now that people are here, we're going to just, I'm going to preach as long as I want. I just don't think it's hospitable. I don't think it's kind. I don't think it's loving. Um, because much of my life, I wasn't all that interested in what the guy up front was saying. So just to let you know, this is going to be gentle and this is going to be about half of what I normally speak. And I'm doing that for the people um, who are here visiting with us as a, as a type of loving and caring for you and as a type of hospitality. So, because I get it. I used to go to Chi-Chi's all the time. I loved Chi-Chi's. Has anybody ever been to Chi-Chi's besides me? You guys remember Chi-Chi's? That's fantastic. Chi-Chi's was amazing. They had this seafood enchilada that was absolutely out of this world. I've tried it at other restaurants, and nobody ever comes close to it. My grandma would always take me to the Chi-Chi's in Akron, and um, man, I loved that place. After the seafood enchilada, we would get fried ice cream. The fried ice cream was legit. It was so good. The whole experience, people singing and wearing sombreros and singing happy birthday. And I mean, the, it was an amazing celebrative. I, that's, I just made that word up, but you know what I'm saying. It was a celebration. It was wonderful. I loved being there. It's closed now. There's no longer Chi-Chi's. And that's really sad. There's like a brand that you can get, Chi-Chi's brand, but it's not the same. And there's a couple Chi-Chi's restaurants, I looked it up on Google, and they're not Chi-Chi's. They're not fooling me. It's like some dilapidated building. It doesn't, it's not the Chi-Chi's I remember. After Chi-Chi's, we'd go to Rolling Acres Mall. I loved, loved Rolling Acres Mall. I liked the smell of it. I liked the escalators. I liked the pretzels. <laughs> I liked, it was a wonderland to me. I liked everything about Rolling Acres Mall. And it's a dead mall now. It was demolished in 2019. So two of my favorite places growing up, Chi-Chi's and Rolling Acres Mall, are now gone. And there's actually this photojournalist who would take pictures. Um, I think it was finally finished being demolished in 2019. But she would take these pictures of Rolling Acre Mall 
when it was in its heyday, and then she would put it side by side with the same location, the same store, the same view from the parking lot as it is today, or at least as it was in 2017-18. What used to be a thriving place full of people and life and activity and stores and food courts and was dead. Trees and shrubs growing in the parking lots, signs falling down, the names of the stores. It's one of the, the hard lessons of life that everything loses its gloss. Everything breaks down. Everything stops working. Everything gets rusty. I used to love going to Disney World for the same reason, because it felt perpetually new and clean and immaculate. And they've got an army of cats at Disney World that they keep in one of the buildings that they let out. I just read this somewhere on the internet. It's got to be true. They let these cats out every night, like around 2 a.m., and the cats go out and they eat like rodents and varmints. They, they eat mice and rats. And then somehow they get all these cats to go back in this building. But what we don't see about Disney World in places like that is the enormous amount of energy and resources keeping it looking that way. Because everything eventually loses its shine. You know, everything loses its sense of wonder. But isn't it true that we're always kind of looking for that shine? We're always looking for that thing that the gloss just never seems to fade. We're always looking for that thing that feels perpetually new. And it's not just true with stuff. It's true with experiences. My roommate in college is getting an NBA pension. He, he was drafted in the first round, played for seven years in the NBA. I remember talking with him his first year in. I'm like, dude, you are, this is crazy. You're playing in front of packed arenas. You are a millionaire, which is crazy in and of itself. You can do whatever you want. You've got all these fans. You're a celebrity. People recognize you when you go out. You're playing on the same team as Charles Barkley, a guy that I used to idolize growing up. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's it, there is this sense of wonder about this. It feels like a dream. And then four years later when I was talking with him, he said, it stinks. He was a believer. He was a Christ follower, a very faithful Christ follower. He's like, it's, my body hurts all the time. And I live out of a suitcase. I never get to see my family. I live in hotel rooms and airplanes. It stinks. Scripture indicates that we're born into this world looking for something that will bring us this sense of per perpetual fulfillment. Another word we could use for that is a sense of fullness. Fullness. We spend our lives looking for this magic thing that will give us a sense of fullness that will never go away, that will never fade, that will never dim. And so we try to stimulate ourselves with new stuff, 
and new experiences, and we still end up with this vague, bothersome feeling of emptiness. And what if I told you that you could stop searching for that sense of fullness? Because God actually provides a solution, an answer to our desire to live with the sense of fullness. Another friend of mine who is um, a strong Christian, I asked him, I was doing this paper, I think, for, I don't know why I was writing a paper on it, but I was writing a paper on why different friends, different people followed Christ. What is it about Jesus that drew them into the family? And I asked him, why do you, why are you a Christian? And he said, I love General Zoe's chicken. I love General Zoe's chicken. I love sweet and sour chicken. I have a favorite restaurant that I go to. And I'll go get General Zoe's, and sometimes I'll order two General Zoe's meals, and I'll bring it back to my house, and I'll sit on my chair, and I'll watch my game, and I'll be pounding General Zoe's chicken, and it feels so good, and it's, it's filling me up, and I'm enjoying every second of it. And 45 minutes later, I'm hungry again. I follow Jesus, he said, because nothing fills me like Jesus and stays with me like Jesus. Everything else fades. All the ways I've tried to medicate my life, all the ways I've tried to find fulfillment and joy outside of him, none of it works. None of it works. Augustine says it this way, he says, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. So I want to briefly turn your attention to a Christmas passage. It's in your notes, in your bulletins, if you grabbed a bulletin. If not, you're free to just listen along. It's a Christmas passage that offers a solution for our longing for a life of wonder, a life of perpetual fullness. It's John 1, John chapter 1, verses 14 and 16. Verse 15 is a parenthetical statement, so we're just going to focus on verses 14 and 16. That's John 1, 14 and 16. The Word became flesh. We believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and that they always all existed together as one. And so we believe that the Word, the eternal Son of God, always existed. He didn't get His first name until 2,000 years ago when He became flesh, but the eternal Son of God has always existed. And here we see that He became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. This is John. One of His three innermost... um, disciples, one of Jesus' three inner circle disciples. This is John. So when he says, we have seen his glory, he's thinking back to different times, as I've said before, where Jesus peels back the layers of his skin and shows the glory of God. Where Jesus shows and does things that are otherworldly. Standing on the bow of a boat and telling the sea and the storm, to stop and it listens. 
We're walking on water. We're healing a blind person, a lame person, a person with leprosy. John says, we've seen his glory. He's dwelt among us. Or casting out a, a demon. Or raising a dead person back to life. This is John talking. He's seen Jesus and he's seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. What this passage envisions for us is a God who is in himself the definition of fullness coming to live among us so that we might receive from and live out of his fullness. We've said this before, but the technical term for God in this regard is the aseity of God. It's the aseity of God. The aseity of God means that he is the only self-existent being in the universe. Everything else that is alive depends on other stuff to keep it alive, depends on other people to keep it alive. God is self-existent. He needs nothing else to keep him alive. He is his own perpetual generator of life and goodness and fullness and needs no one or nothing, but invites us into the family because he's a loving extrovert and he loves being with others. All the rest of the creation, including us, are meant to live out of the overflow of his self-existing life. We're meant to feast on and live on the provision of his fullness. That's actually the reason why Jesus was born. He tells us in John 10.10, the NIV uh, translation says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Our passage today says it this way, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Verse 16 answers that. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. So our job our responsibility is to examine our life and look at all of the things that we turn to to bring us a sense of comfort, to bring us a sense of fullness, to bring us a sense of joy, a sense of wonder, and turn our back on those things so that we can turn to Christ and receive true wonder true satisfaction, true joy, true and lasting peace and fullness. So here's a mistake we often make in celebrating Christmas. We acknowledge that God is fullness and nothing else can satisfy us like him. So what do we do? How do we try to make each other happy? By giving each other gifts. Now, okay, listen, listen. I am not saying that we should not give one another gifts. I am a big fan of gifts. I'm a big fan of 
not just giving, but also receiving gifts. I'm not shy about that. I think gifts are amazing. I love gifts. And I can imagine tomorrow morning, my wife, because she can be snarky at times, um, <laughs> grabbing the gift that I have no idea what it is. It's sitting on the table so that Stanley, our dog, doesn't eat it. It's sitting on our table, wrapped, and I have no idea what it is. And I can imagine getting really excited to open it and her saying, no, this is, no, Jesus will bring you fullness. You don't need it. Like, she would do something like that. So I have to say publicly, right now, I am not saying that we should not give gifts. Because if I was a kid and came to church, and I heard the pastor saying that, I'd be looking at my parents like, who's this guy? And are you buying this stuff? Like, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know us. Don't listen to this guy. I'm out of here. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we ought to see the gifts that we give and receive as appetizers instead of meals. In my book, the purpose of an appetizer is not just to stay off your hunger. The purpose of an appetizer is to heighten and intensify our sense of anticipation for the meal. That's what an appetizer is supposed to do. So let me put it this way. If I go to a restaurant and I order calamari and it's dry and it's chewy and it's rubbery, I'm not anticipating, I'm not excited about, I'm not looking forward to the meal. But if I go to a restaurant and I order boneless buffalo wings and there's just enough sauce but not too much, there's just enough heat but not too much, there's just enough crunch but not too much, I'm thinking if they took that much care to make sure the appetizers were money, the meal is going to be out of this world because appetizers done well heighten your sense of anticipation joyful anticipation for the meal appetizers aren't supposed to make you full they're supposed to in a sense make you hungrier they give you a foretaste of the meal and the meal is what fills us the gifts that we receive and give this christmas are appetizers they're not the meal. They give us a temporary sense of pleasure and fullness, but they can't provide that lasting fullness that only Jesus can in a very real way. This isn't just a metaphor. This isn't just an analogy. Nothing will fill you like Jesus. Christmas gifts are intended to point us to the greater gift, and the greater gift is spelled out in John 1, 14 and 16. Listen to it again with that context. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace and if you will get a hold of that verse those verses and if God were to give you a vision of what it would look like 
to be fully alive in Christ because the point of life is not just to be born. It's not just to get through life. The point of life is to be fully alive and there's only one way there. It's through Christ. He's the only one that will give you that type of abundance. And if you can get that, your life will never be the same. I'm going to ask Michael and Kara to come forward now, and we're going to, the ushers are going to come down the center aisle, and we're going to do the candle thing. So if you guys want to stand up with us now, we're going to light these candles. They're going to, they're going to light it for the first person in each, each aisle, and then you can pass it down, but we're going to sing. Guess what? Guess what we're singing? Silent night. And then I want to come up here, and I want to say one more thing, and we're going to sing one more chorus of another song. But let me pray for us first. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at southsideworcester.com.